Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. All right, so Jojo, tell me, Henry, tell me everything about Henry. How is this sweet puppy? <laughs> so he is incredibly adorable. He is about the size of a kitten. <laughs> and we actually ended up going through a name change for him. So he was going to be Henry. Right. But now he's Hervey. Hervey. Hervey, yes. <laughs> Yes. Henry just wasn't sitting quite right. And then we wanted an H name and uh, somebody said Hervey. And I was like, that's it. That's, that's uh, him. That's right. That's him. Yeah. So yeah, he's, it, he's Hervey. <laughs> it's crazy because when you, when you look at a little puppy and you go through all of these names, there's always that one that's like throwing right in the middle of the dark, right? Like uh-huh. it's, <laughs> yeah. Because when, when we got Milo, Originally, the thought was to name something like Apollo. And I'm like, this little motherfucker doesn't look like an Apollo. There's no Apollo there. You know, he looks like an Italian little bastard. (laughs) 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 So so we're like, "Um, Milo? You know, even though my son insists on calling him Milo. Uh Ah. Because, you know, he's a little southern boy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he is Milo and he seemed to fit perfectly with the name. So, yeah. uh, Hervey, I'm sure, is very content with his name. So, is he the same breed as your your guys? Uh, he, he, as... He's the same breed as Earl, so he's a long-haired chihuahua. Uh... Yes. So how's Frankie reacting to this whole thing? Frankie is not pleased. (laughs) (laughs) As is expected. Yeah. Frankie is Frankie. Frankie is not pleased. Frankie is, uh, he's, he's, he could be worse. I'll put it that way. He could be worse, but he's, he's kind of like, um, yeah, no. Well, and, and also, so, you know, you've got this little thing, the size of a kitten and what's the first thing he does, which you know this, but maybe our audience does too. But one of Frankie's favorite toys, actually, Frankie's very favorite toy in the entire existence of anything is a ball. He loves oh his boy. ball. It's his favorite thing. And when he when I come home, he comes and gets his ball and brings it to me. And it's this whole thing. So this little little thing the size of a kitten walks over to the little toy chest. And what does he grab? The ball. The ball. Yeah. He can't yeah. even barely get his mouth around it. <laughs> but he's yeah. getting it and like... Dragging it around and all prancy and everything. I'm like, oh my God, you are going to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's no. <laughs> you can't be showing up in here and grabbing people's stuff. Yeah. No. By the way. Yeah. Haven't no. introduced yourself well enough, you stupid ass. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so he's, he's, he's learning lessons about territory and um, boundaries and consent. <laughs> yeah. He'll get it. You know, <laughs> it, it, trust me, he will get it. Yeah. Having said that, though, you haven't been here in a while. And if you if you saw the dynamic here, you would think that Milo is older than, than Charlie. <laughs> but by the way, the frail and old one, who is Roxy, 
is the one they are, the two of them are deathly afraid of. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> it's almost as if they thought Roxy has the power to, to just whoop them. Like, uh, uh. <laughs> do you know what she does? Like, she, she has no interest in toys and shit. She's 12, 13 years old, right? Mm-hmm. But when the two of them are fighting over a toy, she'll go and grab the damn toy, put it right in front of herself, and just sit there. And you should see them trying to go around her to get the toy, but without her attention, just so they like. It's like, oh my god! You know how like you would you you you, you the the fear and respect you had for your grandparents, however, is yes. just the same thing. And I'm like, she's not even that powerful. You could, you, the two of you could gang up on her and beat her up. Well, I just no nah, man. I think that's the same thing that's going to happen with Earl eventually. Yeah, it probably will. He'll he'll be like, all right, I'm tired of hearing the both of you squabble. I'm taking this yeah. thing. And uh, yeah. if you don't like it, I don't care. I'm old. <laughs> what are you going to do to me? Kill me? You're going to kill an old boy? <laughs> You're going to be an old man killer? <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> well, all right, Jojo, so... We should get these things started because, hey, we we uh, you know we have things to do. <laughs> <laughs> this is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming. My name is Graham, and of course, with me is the undeniably greatest co-host of all time is Jojo. How to do, Jojo? Yes. So you've heard us gush over Jojo's newest puppy. Yes. Uh, his name is Harvey. Uh, he's gonna be a good boy. Yes, yes. He'd better, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) So today we are doing a double take. Basically, this probably is going to be a long one, but I think it's it's a good thing to do because when we started the show, there were a couple of episodes that we did uh, where we actually found time to talk about two two different shows. Mm -hmm. We did. And... This time, I think we can, we will do the same thing and it, it, it should work. <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, they're very, two very good shows. Two very good shows, both on Netflix. One will, you know, will give you these thoughts of superheroism and, and everything. And the other one is probably going to make you reflect a little bit about the power of of someone who who made sure to shine a positive light on everybody he came across and also the power of greed in in the the wolf clothing ship in it. so just to get into it today we are talking about the movie the old guard which came out on July 10th on Netflix but before that we are going to take a minute and discuss a documentary about a very beloved Latin personality called Walter Mercado. And the show, the documentary is called 
mucho, mucho amor. So let me start by asking you, Jojo, what, what did you think about, what did you think of mucho, mucho amor uh, in, in its entirety? I, I think that it's a beautiful documentary and a lovely tribute. I had never heard of Walter Mercado before the documentary. So I was completely unfamiliar with him. And I think this is kind of a fittingly a love letter to him. And it's, it's, it's a lovely thing. And it's a nice introduction to someone that I wish I'd known a little more about. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that I'm actually, one of the moments I can look back and be grateful that there is a, a platform like Netflix to do that. Uh, because it's an amazing thing that Walter Mercado's most of his career was he spent it in the United States, right there in between Miami and Los Angeles. And the last 10 years of his life, he lived in, in his native Puerto Rico. And yet, you know, there are far too many Americans who don't know or never heard of Walter Mercado before. And by the way, Walter Mercado did cross over <laughs> into the English-speaking market. But that shows you the the importance of a platform like Netflix that will basically say, yeah, we think this is a story that is worthy of, of telling and, and worthy of going across the span of the world. So kudos, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I have a little theory on why most Americans aren't familiar with Walter McCart <laughs> Mercado is because I believe around the time that he was sort of crossing over into quote unquote mainstream was when we had the Sylvia Browns of the time and we had Dionne Warwick and there was the Psychic Friends Network. And most of that stuff was very mercenary. And Miss Cleo too, I think. Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo. Yes, yes. Yeah. you're right. Miss Cleo. Who happened? Who who was never a Jamaican, by the way? No, she was not. <laughs> <laughs> she was not, and that would slip quite often when she was talking. <laughs> um, so I I think that he, right or not, got bundled into all of of that that was going on. I I don't agree with him being bundled in with with that because Sylvia Brown. If you've ever heard of anything about her, she's one of the worst con people in the history of this sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Dionne Warwick was terrible. Miss Cleo was terrible. You know, Psychic Friends Network was a joke. So it's a shame, I feel like, that he got some of that tarnish from them because he he wasn't the same class as they. He's much more of... I mean, I know he did the astrology. Obviously, that was his claim to fame, but he never really claimed the psychic abilities. It didn't seem like to me the you know, pay me fifty thousand bucks and I'll right. give you the winning lottery numbers for the week, which is the kind of thing Sylvia Brown would do. Yeah, he was more about positivity, and you know, from the documentary, everything was, yes, based on astrology, which I personally am not a believer in, but whatever, float your boat, man. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, if it seemed that everything was, you know, 
I don't know, like Leo, you are, you're this and you're that, and you're going to do great things in your life. And you know, nothing was, was negative. Nothing was, yes. nothing was bad. Nothing was, it was all very uplifting and very thing. Good things are going to happen to you if you just take that chance that's coming your way and, you know, and then ending it with much, much love, you know, yes, was, is just beautiful. And that's a lovely thing. And I felt that he seemed very childlike and innocent in a genuine way and reminds me a little bit of the beach boy, Brian Wilson. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some of the things that happened to Brian Wilson, I feel are similar to what happened to Walter having a business partner that ruins your life. Oh yeah. Because you are maybe a little naive and you trust people and you think if, if I am nice to this person, they'll be nice to me. Like there's the quote from the, the OA, I made the mistake of thinking if I cast a beautiful net, I would only catch beautiful things. So I, I think that applies to Walter in the sense of, you know, if I only put beautiful things out into the world, beautiful things will only come to me. Will come to me. That is correct. And, and, you know, and uh, there is actually a quote from journalist. Well, he's more like a like a, a gossip guy. Mauricio Zelik from Univision. He said, you have to understand that Walter was so much of an artist that he his mind was never into business. He was a terrible businessman like most artists are. But at the same time, he was a believer in the humanity of people. So he could never have made assumptions that somebody would do bad things to him. Right. And you are absolutely right in that. Continue, please. <laughs> but I, I, it just, it, it made me very sad that someone was able to manipulate that with him and gain his trust and be like a son to him and then get to the point where he knew that he would sign anything that he put in front of him and then have him just sign over his entire life, his entire everything. His entire existence. His That's entire what, that existence. That was basically a contract to be enslaved, isn't it? It, it is. It is. It, the the perimeters of it or the parameters of it were the universe, you know, yeah. not, not just the United States or the world or Puerto Rico. It was the universe. And then it was forever in, in perpetuity. In perpetuity, yes. Which is, is, I don't even understand how that, I am disgusted by an attorney that would write that up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course, we all of us are, to some extent, we, we are to the extent of we have to be responsible for our actions. So yes, Walter signed this. But if you trust someone and you love them, there was no reason for him not to, if that you know, there was no reason for him not to sign it. He thought he had done his due process by having an attorney look over it. That right. attorney did not did not do his his due diligence. He did not do a, a good job from what the documentary says. And yes. you know, he he lost everything to this awful human being who took advantage of someone who was obviously very childlike. And that's yes. that's just there's there's they're the kind of people that make you wish that you believed in something genuinely always going to bad, going to happen to bad people. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
And and do you know what was for me the most the, the thing that left me with a bad taste in my palate is still Bill Bakula, the person we're talking about, the person who took advantage of Walter Mercado, he is completely unrepentant. And he's like, I have no regrets. Completely. No regrets. It's just like, you know, when we, a few months ago, when we talked about Norma McCovey's case. Yes. You were talking about one of the two individuals who manipulated her into you know, being a mouthpiece for the the anti-abortion movement. Once the cat was out in the bag, this guy was completely, you know, he showed remorse, he showed regret, and, and he reversed course. And we we thought, you know, this is at least a good thing that comes out of that, right? Right. But Bacula was... Simply like regret is not a thing I've ever experienced and I'm not going to start now. And I was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. That is an amazing thing to say. Yeah, isn't it, it is. It is. It just shows that he is beyond redemption and yeah. is as, as close as one can get to being beyond redemption. To not To not realize what you've done, to not care what you've done, and to not have any... Any look backwards and going, oh, that maybe wasn't the best thing. I, I don't understand. I don't understand people without any conscience at all. I don't. That, that was that was terrible. Um, so the story of Walter Mercado, other than that, is a beautiful one. And uh, you've touched on pretty much everything about him in, in the sense that even though his main thing was astrology. Walter Mercado was not out there telling you, you're going to win the lottery tomorrow. And you, I see a man in your future, but rather uh, he was like a motivational speaker who uses astrology yeah. <laughs> to get to you. Yeah. Isn't it? I would, I would that's a very good summation. Yeah. And, but like, I, I remember growing up in Santo Domingo, watching Walter Mercado and, this is going to sound funny, but this is what I always thought of Walter Mercado, right? Mm-hmm. You you can you would look at this guy in his cape and his beautiful atuendos and stuff and and you knew that you were looking at, at a dude. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> as a kid growing up in the Caribbean, you see a lot of imagery of what is known as Santeria, which is the uh, mystification of saints into spiritism and voodooism. Okay. And St. Michael the Archangel is depicted as like this androgynous angel, you know, standing on top of the devil with a raised sword. And... When you look at this picture, you don't see a man nor a woman. You just see a creature, a beautiful creature at that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and that was for me what, and I did not understand at 12, at 11, 12 years old, I did not understand what androgyn- an androgynous individual was, but I knew that I couldn't classify him as 
something other, uh, like in terms of, I knew that whatever I was looking was not related necessarily to his sexuality, mm -hmm. but rather this undefined thing that is <laughs> creature, that is beautiful and there should be nothing wrong with it. There should be nothing wrong to say about him. Uh, th does that make sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. And I, I have to say to that, that I was surprised having read and watched and been told about the very macho um, masculinity of, of Hispanics, of Latins. I was surprised that he was as popular as he was, as, I mean, mind boggling popular. So I, I, I would have expected him if someone had just told me about him, I would have expected that he would have been shunned yes. off of television. And the fact that he wasn't, I think speaks so much to the power of this man to transcend any homophobia or, um, any sort of uh, any sort of phobia, really. I, I know yes. that there were people that made fun of him. Of course, there's always going to be people who make fun of larger-than-life characters, whether they're, you know, Walter or, or Joan Rivers or, you know, yeah, right, whoever. Right. But he was... That, that spoke to me, that he was very... He was special, that his message was special, because otherwise he would have just been a joke or or even worse, you know persecuted. Yeah, I mean, comedians who made fun of Walter always knew that there was a line that they couldn't cross. And and it is because the abuelitas of Latin America, the little grandmothers who sat there and waited for Walter to come on their TV, the even the grandpas, even the kids who, you know, sat there and waited for you know, to, to have a pick of the telenovelas with a grandma, you know, because it was the only opportunity at, you know, watching two people kiss or, or simulate making love without your grandma or you <laughs> covering your eyes or whatever, because she was so in <laughs> connected in it, you know. Yes, yes. So that's basically what we, we grew up looking for in the telenovelas. It's a little bit of that. But then then, you know, Walter was before that because Walter's program was, well, segment was part of this show called Primer Impacto in Univision, which came on at about five o'clock. And the crazy thing is, if you looked at Primer Impacto in its, in its entirety, it was basically trash news TV, like very sensationalist uh, TV news all around Latin America. Okay. But the most, the thing that most people were expecting from it was those few minutes with Walter Mercado, which was about eight minutes maybe. And most of the time it was like in between segment, he would come on and do, I don't know, three signs and then come back. And, and so, you know, like you said, Latin America had a special type of love for Walter and they sort of, they knew that there was something, you know, for macho culture, they knew that there was something that, to, you know, on anybody else would be probably unacceptable in terms of sexuality. 
but they brushed that aside because they couldn't bring themselves to shun or persecute or say anything wrong about Walter. It's just an amazing thing. It's just, I never heard anybody, male or female, uh, famous or not, say anything disparaging about Walter Mercado. And that is not an easy thing to find in Latin America. So, as you said, that says a lot about the power of the influences that Walter had in in everybody as a as a person. Mm-hmm. But in in terms of Walter's own sexuality, I also think that one of the reasons he stayed within the grace of everybody is the fact that he you can't say that he ever lied about his sexuality. He just basically never invited anybody into that part that such a personal part of his of his life. And so he never denied nor confirmed his sexuality to anyone. It, it, does that sound like a correct statement to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think that he felt that it was nobody's business but his own and whoever he he was with and I I respect that. I mean, that's that is only his business. And, you know, neither confirming or denying or condemning or approving is fine because that's it's nobody's yeah. business but his. Yeah. But in my own conclusion though, and not that this is by any means important, but based on what I saw during this documentary, I've I've gotten to the conclusion that Walter, for the most part, was actually asexual. That's kind of what I got <laughs> out of it too. He he really did not seem, yeah, asexual. He did, he did not seem to have had lovers per se or or that sort of relationship it seems more that he just wasn't interested in that part of life yeah he was like way into the spiritual things yes maybe and sort of like this because here's the crazy thing i think one of the biggest mistakes cisgender people make is that you know people that are of any different sexuality think about sex 24 mm-hmm. seven. And, and I think one of the biggest homophobic as assumptions, for instance, especially in dudes is that, you know, if some, if another dude is gay, he's going to always come on to you. Like that's what, that's why, that's what like homophobic people are. It's just like, they're always think that they are in some kind of danger around Right, around, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> around people that, that are gay. Right? Right. And and that's not the case at all. I mean, like the same person is not defined by their sexuality in any way, shape, or form. I was listening to an interview about four or five years ago with Tim Gunn mm-hmm. yes. from Project Runway. Yes. In and, and by the way, Tim Gunn, as an American, is probably the closest thing, I think, to uh, Walter Mercado, I, to a certain extent. I would agree. Yeah? <laughs> and Tim Gunn says that 
he has not had sex, like actively had sex with anyone since the early 80s. And that he basically was asexual. And the reason being is because he saw people dying of AIDS Mm -hmm. and he sort of became so afraid of that that he basically stayed away from sex and got used to not having sex, Mm -hmm. you know, and that basically defeats the entire myth about people of different sexuality that, ooh, there's some kind of like... Oh, all they think about is sex. In fact, cisgender people are more likely the the ones who can only manage to think about sex every certain second, especially cisgender men. But I don't think that's the case at all with LGBTQ people. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case, but I'm I'm saying that there is. It is certainly possible for someone of different sexuality to be asexual or not interested in sex as much as we all do. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the idea of that being baffling is, is sort of discouraging (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, okay, just because you as a person say, or, or I as a person say, would be sexually attracted uh, to someone, and that's a normal feeling for us. Why can't you understand the fact that not having that feeling is is perfectly normal and happens right. all the time? So it's 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 kind of discouraging because it's like just 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 think about it a little bit. It's, think about other people. Not everybody is thinking about bonking everybody else all the time. <laughs> Bonking. <laughs> Amazing. Ah, you surprise me all the time. <laughs> but also, I, I think we can blame that binary feeling, binary thought process education that we get from very early. It's good or bad. It's one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. As opposed to seeing life more like a a shadow that is cast across different spectrum or spectra. And we, as adults, we become entangled. But by the way, entanglement has been <laughs> a very popular word lately. But <laughs> as adults, we become entangled in this, you know, one side or the other. And it's almost impossible for people to see things like going in, into different direction other than left and right. I, I don't know if that, if that makes sense. You know, like our cardinal compass is north, south, east, west, and we forget about southeast, northwest. We forget about all the little points that can come out of that cardinal mm-hmm. compass. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to leave it there because... I'm I'm getting into a territory that I don't know much about. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are wondering why a documentary about Walter Mercado is entitled Mucho Mucho Amor is because that was his signature farewell to his audience mm-hmm. after at the end of his segment 
he would say, and that specifically what he would say was, and may God bless you and receive from me peace, lots of peace, but most of all, lots and lots and lots. And he would do this little thing around his his chest where he, you, you know, you would think his heart is located. And then he would kiss like this fist and then just throw it at you towards the camera. Lots and lots and lots of love. Mucho, mucho, mucho amor. And I think as a matter of fact, this particular farewell words had an effect in the entire freaking continent. I tell you this. Because it it was, I I don't know if you've ever been at a Catholic mass. the The final blessing of a priest is very important, especially on at Sunday mass, because it almost makes you feel like if you walk out of that church without the, that final blessing, then you're gonna have a shitty week, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And in the words are slightly similar to what what Walter says, you know, barring the, except the mucho 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 amor, but, and, but like it 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 had this effect on you that I can go out and freaking conquer the week to come, right? And every day, closing the day at around six p.m. with those words from Walter Mercado, uh, I think it had an absolute great effect on, on, on students for the next day going to school, mm-hmm. on, you know, housewives for the next day to come, and on moms and dads who had to get up tomorrow and go to work. So Walter Mercado is, uh, I don't know, it, it, it's just a shame that we missed the last few years of his life. Because I think had it not been for the things he went through, he probably would have still been a bit healthy. Because I think he he went into an incredible depressive mood during those 10 years that he was, you know, taking his, his fight to court. Yes. And as a matter of fact, the day after he won partially, he had a heart attack, right? Yes. So, Yes, he did. You know, had he stayed active and been there and getting all of that positivity from people, I don't think his demise would have been that bad. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I agree with you. I think when someone that close to you as his, his business manager was betrays you in such a fundamental and unrepentant manner, there is no way that can't have an effect on your psyche yeah. for forever, not for years to come, for forever. Right. You're, for, right. you're forever broken from that. And there being a sensitive and gentle soul, you know, that's not even the toughest of us would not be able to easily brush that off. So yeah. if you're sensitive and you're gentle and you've believed that, that good things are going to come to you if you are good, and that everything comes crashing down on you. I, as you said, I, I can't imagine the depressive state that you would enter. Yeah, and I think his caretaker actually summed it very well by saying, basically, Walter is living with a broken heart. Yeah. It's, 
it, like when I hear when I heard that, the way he described it, it to be the person closest to Walter, other than his nieces. By the way, the nieces are really funny and they are very and funny. lovely. <laughs> they are lovely, <laughs> beautiful singing voices too. Yes, yes. The little, the they, little, in the car when they all start singing together, I'm like, my goodness, oh, it was so beautiful. That, that was, was lovely. So beautiful. Yes, yes. And, and we should talk about these last hurrah for for Walter. That was. I am glad that happened. I'm glad he. He lived to see that. And I couldn't help but think that, oh, God, he's going to die right after that. Mm -hmm. Because that was the the culmination of his, of his oeuvre, of his life work. And what a beautiful tribute. And I think what surprised me, is what surprised pretty much everybody is the fact that there were so many younger kids who, when they were born, Walter had been out of TV for so long, and yet they know everything there is to know about Walter Mercado. That was insane. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and, and like to, this guy had like Michael Jackson status or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, man. Amazing. Yes. So we encourage you to go ahead and give it a go. By the way, this is a bilingual documentary, so it navigates, oscillates between Spanish and English. And for the most part, it is actually narrated by Walter, which is a beautiful thing, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, yeah. It, it's It's amazing. Mucho, mucho amor is streaming on Netflix. Please go ahead, watch it, and tell us what you think, because I, 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 think, I think a lot can be learned still from the life of Walter Mercado. I agree. I agree. Right then. So uh, this was our first part, uh, first part discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. The second discussion we are going to have today is about movie The Old Guard, as we announced from the very beginning. Oh, Jojo, I'm going to kick it right out to you then. So tell us what you thought of this movie, uh, and if you would, in the way that you can only do. Please tell our our listeners what this movie is about. <laughs> <laughs> so The Old Guard premiered on Netflix on uh, the 10th of July. And it's based on a graphic novel series, which is a fancy way of saying comic book, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I myself have not read the graphic novels, but I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. It's, it's a lot of fun uh, in all the best ways. It is about a team of immortals. They are people who do not die. They aren't. They aren't angels or anything in that sense of, of being immortal. They're they're just humans who don't die, kind of like Wolverine. And uh, they are mercenaries in the sense that they fight for what they feel is is right, what is the right thing to do. So that's what they've decided to do with their immortality is to, to pick up the cause for what seems like the, the good thing to do, the, the good thing for humanity. In the world we have today, it's much more difficult for them to keep a low profile with 
facial yep. recognition and all that fun stuff and cameras everywhere. So uh, there is some, some suspicions raised about them and they are exposed. So they are fighting to keep themselves safe and a secret because they know that they'll just be used as lab rats if they're caught. And uh, at the same time, they discover that there is a, a new immortal has I, I, I don't know what other word to use other than spawn because she's not yeah. born. Yeah. She, she wasn't born immortal. It, it, it happened to her. So they want to go and, and save her and, and rescue her and bring her into the team, into the guard so that they can keep her safe and she can learn the ways of, of them. Yes. That's all you needed to know, ladies and gentlemen. So we out. Thank you. <laughs> and good night. <laughs> there you go, Georgia. You done it. You done done it. You done done it. I, I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna lie. So <laughs> I, I don't know. Sometimes I look at things that are exclusively released on Netflix, and I'm like, I wonder how this would have done in theaters. You know, because like. This is huge. This is an absolutely fantastic story mm -hmm. and beautifully directed by Gina Prince Blythewood. And, and, and of course, led by Charlize Theron. Mm -hmm. Tell me, do you, do, do you, do you think that this was a bit too big for Netflix or you think Netflix is all right? I, I think, that it could have done well at the box office, assuming we had a box office at the moment. <laughs> um, I, I think it probably would have had a few major changes made to it. I could see some of the feminine, the strong feminine characters being dialed back a bit or made perhaps a bit more of a, a caricature, a 2D, as opposed to the nice 3D rounded characters we get in this movie. But other than that, I'm happy with it being on Netflix. Um, I think it's doing well on Netflix, but I also think it could have done great at the box office. Um, so, yeah, so I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think Th Charlize Theron is is great in this. I know she's been doing a lot of action movies lately, kind of like um, Angelina Jolie went through an action phase. But I believe Charlize Theron more than I ever did Angelina Jolie. Oh. Oh my God, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking when I was watching this. I'm serious. I I, I was I was like, you know what? I believe that Charlize Theron yes. can kick my ass. I yes. never did with Angelina Jolie, be, even though I, I believe that she would want to kick my ass. But I also <laughs> felt like I could kind of backhand her and just knock her over. I, I don't know. Yeah. So I I I the believability of her and the intensity of her, I think is very believable and not two dimensional at all. I think she brings a lot of depth to this character of Andy that she plays. I loved Kiki Lane in this as Niall. Yes. The progression of her character is beautiful to watch. Yeah. It's, it's, I enjoyed the relationship between Joe and Nikki. There is a beautiful scene with a, a, almost a poem read yes. about, about yes. Nikki to, yes. from Joe. And um, I, I honestly teared up for during that because oh, that it was, was awesome. so lovely. That was awesome. <laughs> so um, this is not your typical shoot 'em up. I feel like the trailers that I watched made it seem like a typical shoot 'em up. Mm -hmm. 
but it's not, there's, there's more to it. There's, there's a little more thought process going on behind it. It's definitely a shoot 'em up. There's plenty of blood and guts to make you happy if that's what you want. And very, very graphic and very, uh, shows you everything about the regenerative process. But, yeah. uh, so maybe not for the squeamish, but it's, it's, it's good. It's not, like I said, it's not your typical, your typical blood and gore movie. There is motives behind this and uh, it's just, it's fun and it's, it's good. Yes. Yes. I mean, like I said, we could easily end the show right here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? Like this, this really, <laughs> I mean, you watch this and you, you, it's like you took notes, right? Cause like, I mean, I mean, it's just, this is beautiful. You know what I mean? The truth is, I, uh, the movie caught my attention because I heard an interview with the director, with Gina Prince Blythewood. And I was like, like you said, like, I, I never heard of the comic book before. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you ever heard of it. I, I personally had never heard of it. No, uh, never heard of it. So, so I'm like, okay, all superheroes, it's always fun, right? But then, you know, Charlize Theron, isn't it? And we, like you said, Charlize Theron, when she's playing a badass character, is so believable. That's an that's not an opportunity anyone would like to pass on, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm like, okay, well, Charlize Theron is is going to, you know, do her thing. So I'm going to watch it. But most to my surprise, as you said, the entire cast was was picked perfectly for 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 this movie. Yes. Uh, uh, as, as you mentioned, Kiki Lane, you know, so badass and yet so fragile. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know, she was marvelous. She was like, this girl can do this. And you were rooting for her when uh, she was reluctant to accept that fate. You also could feel it and understand what she was going through. But it was her work as 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 an actor that was that that put you there. It's it's not necessarily about you know the plot and the story, but her you know navigating these emotions and taking you there with her. Matthias Schönertz is not a dude that I'm very that I'm very familiar with, but as Booker, uh, he's from Antwerp, from Belgium. Mm -hmm. And I think he was good. I love the rela his relationship with Andy, like you know, the sort of like the right hand man. Yes. Uh, and I think they picked him perfectly for for what happened towards the end of the movie. Like, yes, you know, it's it's it was almost a little bit cliche, but a good cliche in that you should expect the unexpected from your right hand man. Yes. Uh, you know, but I was surprised and I was surprised to see that Marwan Kenzari, who plays Joe or Yusuf Al-Kaisani, his character was, you know, paired with Nikki, Luca Marinelli, and they had this, this same sex relationship. You know, it's, It, it departs a little bit from the norm, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. by all account, Marwan Kenzari is North African and 
of descent. He's from the Netherlands. But I would I, I didn't expect that to 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 develop being a Muslim warrior, but he has a lot of years in his mind and character and in his brain that none of this shit matters to to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was still surprising to see the Muslim character as uh, the gay character. Uh, and anyway, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. It, it, it's not something you see every day, you know. Yeah, it does. And it, um, I, I thought it was. Sometimes you'll see because all of these characters are thousands, or possibly, possibly thousands to at least hundreds of years old. Right. And I. You'll occasionally come across that in sci-fi and in, you know, um, fantasy movies and that sort of thing. And it's always like, eh, there's no way in the world you right. were around back then. Like you look too modern, you sound too modern, you act too modern. Yeah. But I had no problem believing all of these guys uh, and Charlize Theron had been around for that long. Like they, they didn't, they seemed like old souls. Yes. Yes. Even in the way they they spoke, it, it, the way they viewed the world too. Yes. Uh, right. Like they, they yes. had a completely different way of seeing the world yes. as people of our ages. Uh, you know. Um, so yeah, that was that was beautiful. Yeah. That I suppose we can attribute to the screenplay or whatever, but but I think also it's it's credit to the actors. Uh, yeah. What do you think of this character played by Shuatel Ejiofor, uh, James Copley? Interesting. Um, I I enjoy his acting always, but I, this particular character was, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of him. I would have liked to have known a little bit more of him. I, I don't think he got fully fleshed out quite enough for me. I would have liked to seen a few more scenes with him to to understand him a little better. Yeah. But obviously a, a, a cool character, a very intelligent character and very, what's the word? You're not quite sure what he's going to do. A little unpredictable. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe in the next few movies, because as you said, I know that there's a sequel coming up there based on the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I hope that they show us a little bit of the of the tribulations of James Copley because he had a motive, he had a reason for what he did. Yes, and but he recounted that reason uh, with words, and I think uh, we all understanding enough to see his point. But maybe, as you said it would be better to see him live through those moments that formed his opinion and his actions towards the immortals. Yeah. So so hopefully that's something they've thought about doing because we do definitely need to know a bit more about James Copley. We, we, we do. And I, I think we need to see him before his life-changing event happened. You know, maybe something to do with the job. So, I mean, this is going to be definitely be a short one because this movie is good and there's not really much to say about it. 
Yeah, without giving absolutely everything away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we we talked about the character of uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and do you feel that the character of Mister Merrick was a little bit too over the top uh, in terms of cruelty and and greed? <laughs> he was he was on the line, in my opinion. I think he was about to fall off the tightrope into um, chewing the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty dang close. I don't, I don't think he was too over the top because it is. I don't know. I kind of feel like the actor was a little too young. I like Harry Melling a lot. He was very, very good in um, the Coen Brothers movie. What's the name of it? The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. He's excellent in that. Breaks your heart in that. But I feel like, but at the same time, maybe you needed somebody that young to be that callous. Yeah. Yeah, because all I kept thinking was one of those, uh, uh, you know, Valley, you know, California Valley CEO shit. Really young and have no world experience, but have a lot of, money uh, investors and think that they're on top of the world and they can get away with doing whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. 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 Kind of like that guy whose name I'm not going to say one, cause I don't remember it, but two, cause I just don't want to say his name, but the, the guy who put up the cost of the EpiPen, you know, got All the right. rights to the EpiPen and, and put the, the, the cost of it to be a ridiculous amount. Um, Pharma bro. Yeah. Pharma bro. So Martin, Martin Shkreli. Yeah, name? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they always fall and they fall hard. And uh, Harry Melling's character <laughs> in this case fell really hard. So he, yeah, there's that. Oh, really good. That made me happy. <laughs> yes, yes. Joey Ansa also was kind of scary as Keen. Uh, he was. The, the security dude, huh? He was. He was scary as Keen. He was he was very good. He's younger than I expected him to be. Uh, he's he was very good and very scary. And I also was was happy with what happened to him because when when he did what he when he did what he did to Nikki, I was like, he's going to be sorry for that. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. He's going to be sorry for that. Well, he going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Anna Maria Marinka, or Marincha, she is Romanian. And she was like, she was a very believable, brainy doctor. Mm -hmm. But yeah, look, this movie is probably one of the best movies in Netflix this year. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of this same story coming out. What Me too. Yeah, me too. I am excited for the uh, for the sequel. Um, I'm looking forward to it the uh, same way I'm looking forward to the boys. Uh, so, yo, yeah. the boys are coming. Yes, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> so, I I think it's gonna be good. I can't wait. Yes, definitely. So, here's the thing, folks. We have brought you two amazing. You have your choice right there. If you haven't seen Mucho Mucho Amor, please go ahead and watch it. And like I said, you you are going to fall in love with 
somebody who is not a character or not a caricature, but rather one of the greatest wholesome human beings who ever lived. And also, you are going to love this new set of superheroes in the old guard. Yes. Final words, Jojo? Watch. Let us know what you think. Yes, that's right. So before we go, we, of course, would like to invite you to join us on Instagram. Look look us up. We are kicking and streaming underscore podcast. Also, we are on Twitter as kicking and streaming. You'll find us kicking and streaming exactly as it sounds, as it sounds. Kicking and streaming podcast and kicking and streaming on Twitter. We have started a Facebook group this week. And basically, we are going to be talking about anything that we've talked about before or anything that we are watching that we're interested in, even if we're not going to discuss it in the, within the podcast. So you can find us at Facebook groups, Kicking and Streaming Podcast group. So we're there. And, uh, you know, there's just a couple of questions that you have to answer and we'll uh, check you in. No problem. Yes. You can find Jocelyn on I on Instagram as Jocelyn Podcast. Jocelyn Podcast. I like to whisper Jocelyn Podcast. It's like Dorillo. <laughs> it's like it's great to have a name like Jason Derulo as a Haitian, because I can't whisper Bialois. <laughs> <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> or Jean Baptiste. <laughs> Nobody can do that. You can only do that with with Darilla. <laughs> right. So, folks, we're gonna call it a day today, and uh, you know, we hope to hear what you have to say. Look us up, sign up, follow us, comment, and we'll yeah. see you next time. Yes, see you <laughs> next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.